Chapter Six of Herman and Dorothea by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, translated by Ellen Frothingham. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by phone. Clio, the age. Now, when the foreign judge had been by the minister questioned as to his people's distress and how long their exile had lasted, thus made answer the man: Of no recent date are our sorrows, since of the gathering bitter of years our people have drunken bitterness all the more dreadful because such fair hope had been blighted who will pretend to deny that his heart swelled high in his bosom and that his freer breast with purer pulses was beating when we beheld the new sun arise in his earliest splendour when of the rights of men we heard which to all should be common were of a righteous equality told and inspiriting freedom every one hoped that then he should live his own life and the fetters binding the various lands appeared their hold to be loosing fetters that had in the hand of sloth been held and self-seeking look not the eyes of all nations throughout that calamitous season towards the world's capital city for so it had long been considered and of that glorious title was now more than ever deserving were not the names of those men who first delivered the message names to compare with the highest that under the heavens are spoken did not in every man grow courage and spirit and language and as neighbours we first of all were zealously kindled thereupon followed the war and armed bodies of frenchmen pressed to us nearer yet nothing but friendship they seemed to be bringing ay and they brought it too for exalted the spirit within them they with rejoicing the festive trees of liberty planted promising every man what was his own and to each his own ruling high beat the heart of the youths and even the aged were joyful gaily the dance began about the newly raised standard thus had they speedily won these overmastering frenchmen first the spirits of men by the fire and dash of their bearing then the hearts of the women with irresistible graces even the pressure of hungry war seemed to weigh on us lightly so before our vision did hope hang over the future luring our eyes abroad into newly opening pathways oh how joyful the time when with her beloved the maiden whirls in the dance the longed-for day of their union awaiting but more glorious that day on which to our vision the highest heart of man can conceive seemed near and attainable to us loosened was every tongue and men the aged the stripling spoke aloud in words that were full of high feeling and wisdom soon however the sky was o'ercast a corrupt generation fought for the right of dominion unworthy the good to establish so that they slew one another their new-made neighbours and brothers held in subjection and then sent the self-seeking masses against us chiefs committed excesses and wholesale plunder upon us while those lower plundered and rioted down to the lowest every one seemed but to care that something be left for the morrow great past endurance the need and daily grew the oppression they were the lords of the day there was none to hear our complaining then fell trouble and rage upon even the quietest spirit one thought only had all and swore for their wrongs to have vengeance and for the bitter loss of their hope thus doubly deluded presently fortune turned and declared on the side of the german and with hurried marches the french retreated before us ah then as never before did we feel the sad fortunes of warfare he that is victor is great and good 
or at least he appears so and he as one of his own will spare the man he has conquered him whose service he daily needs and whose property uses but no law the fugitive knows save of self-preservation and with the reckless greed consumes all the possessions about him then are his passions also inflamed the despair that is in him out of his heart breaks forth and takes shape in criminal action nothing is further held sacred but all is for plunder his craving turns in fury on woman and pleasure is changed into horror death he sees everywhere round him and madly enjoys his last moments taking delight in blood in the shrieking of anguish exulting thereupon fiercely arose in our men the stern resolution what had been lost to avenge and defend what e'er was remaining every man sprang to his arms by the flight of the foeman encouraged and by his blanching cheeks and his timorous wavering glances ceaselessly now rang out the clanging peal of the tocin thought of no danger to come restrained their furious anger quick into weapons of war the husbandman's peaceful utensils all were converted dripped with blood the scythe and the ploughshare quarter was shown to none the enemy fell without mercy fury everywhere raged and the cowardly cunning of weakness ne'er may a man so carried away by injurious passion see again the sight of the raging wild beast would be better let not man prattle of freedom as if himself he could govern soon as the barriers are torn away then all of the evil seems let loose that by law had been driven deep back into corners excellent man thereupon with emphasis answered the pastor though thou misjudgest mankind yet can i not censure thee for it evil enough i confess thou hast had to endure for man's passions yet wouldst thou look behind over this calamitous season thou wouldst acknowledge thyself how much good thou also hast witnessed how many excellent things that would in the heart have hidden had not danger aroused them and did not necessity's pressure bring forth the angel in man and make him a god of deliverance thereupon answered and said the reverend magistrate smiling there thou remindest me aptly of how we console the poor fellow after his house has been burned by recounting the gold and the silver melted and scattered abroad in the rubbish that still is remaining little enough it is true but even that little is precious then will the poor wretch after it dig and rejoice if he finds it thus i likewise with happier thoughts will gratefully turn me towards the few beautiful deeds of which i preserve the remembrance yes i will not deny i have seen old quarrels forgotten ill to avert from the state i also have witnessed how friendship love of parent and child can impossibilities venture seen how the stripling at once matured into man how the aged grew again young and even the child into youth was developed yea and the weaker sex too as we are accustomed to call it showed itself brave and strong and ready for every emergence foremost among them all one beautiful deed let me mention bravely performed by the hand of a girl an excellent maiden who with those younger than she had been left in charge of a farmhouse since there also the men had marched against the invader suddenly fell on the house a fugitive band of marauders eager for booty who crowded straightway to the room of the women there they beheld the beautiful form of the fully grown maiden looked on the charming young girls who rather might still be called children 
savage desire possessed them at once with merciless passion they the trembling band assailed and the high-hearted maiden but she had snatched in an instant the sword of one from its scabbard felled him with might to the ground and stretched him bleeding before her then with vigorous strokes she bravely delivered the maidens smiting yet four of the robbers who saved themselves only by flying then she bolted the gates and armed awaited assistance now when this praise the minister heard bestowed on the maiden rose straightway for his friend a feeling of hope in his bosom and he opened his lips to inquire what further befell her if on this mournful flight she now with her people were present when with a hasty step the village doctor approached them twitched the clergyman's coat and said in his ear in a whisper i have discovered the maiden at last among several hundreds by the description i knew her so come let thine own eyes behold her bring too the magistrate with thee so that we may hear him yet further but as they turned to go the justice was summoned to leave them sent for by some of his people by whom his counsel was needed straightway the preacher however the lead of the doctor had followed up to a gap in the fence where his finger he meaningly pointed seest thou the maiden he said she has made some clothes for the baby out of the well-known chintz i distinguish it plainly and further there are the covers of blue that herman gave in his bundle well and quickly forsooth she has turned to advantage the presence evident tokens are these and all else answers well the description mark how the stomacher scarlet sets off the arch of her bosom prettily laced and the bodice of black fits close to her figure neatly the edge of her kerchief is plaited into a ruffle which with a simple grace her chin's rounded outline encircles freely and lightly rises above it the head's dainty oval and her luxuriant hair over silver bodkins is braided now she is sitting yet still we behold her majestical stature and the blue petticoat's ample plates that down from her bosom hangs in abundant folds about her neatly shaped ankles she without question it is come therefore and let us discover whether she honest and virtuous be a housewifely maiden then as the seated figure he studied the pastor made answer truly i find it no wonder that she so enchanted the stripling since to a man's experienced eye she seems lacking in nothing happy to whom mother nature a shape harmonious has given such will always commend him and he can be nowhere a stranger all approach with delight and all are delighted to linger if to the outward shape correspond but a courteous spirit i can assure thee in her the youth has found him a maiden who in the days to come his life shall gloriously brighten standing with womanly strength in every necessity by him surely the soul must be pure that inhabits a body so perfect and of a happy old age such vigorous youth is the promise thereupon answered and said the doctor in language of caution often appearances cheat i like not to trust the externals for i have oft seen put to the test the truth of the proverb till thou a bushel of salt with a new acquaintance has eaten be not too ready to trust him for time alone renders thee certain how ye shall fare with each other and how well your friendship shall prosper let us then rather at first make inquiries among the good people by whom the maiden is known and who can inform us about her much i approve of thy caution the preacher replied as he followed 
not for ourselves is the suit and tis delicate wooing for others towards the good magistrate then the men directed their footsteps who was again ascending the street in discharge of his duties him the judicious pastor at once addressed and with caution look we a maiden have here descried in the neighbouring garden under an apple-tree sitting and making up garments for children out of second-hand stuff that somebody doubtless has given and we were pleased with her aspect she seems like a girl to be trusted tell us whatever thou knowest we ask it with honest intentions soon as the magistrate nearer had come and looked into the garden her thou knowest already he said for when i was telling of the heroic deed performed by the hand of that maiden when she snatched the man's sword and delivered herself and her charges this was the one she is vigorous born as thou seest by her stature yet she is good as strong for her aged kinsman she tended until the day of his death which was finally hastened by sorrow over his city's distress and his own endangered possessions also with quiet submission she bore the death of her lover who a high-spirited youth in the earliest flush of excitement kindled by lofty resolve to fight for a glorious freedom hurried to paris where early a terrible death he encountered for as at home so there his foes were deceit and oppression thus the magistrate spoke the others saluted and thanked him and from his purse a gold piece the pastor drew forth for the silver he had some hours before already in charity given when he in mournful groups had seen the poor fugitives passing and to the magistrate handed it saying apportion the money mongst thy destitute people and god vouchsafe it an increase but the stranger declined it and answering said we have rescued many a dollar among us with clothing and other possessions and shall return as i hope ere yet our stock is exhausted then the pastor replied and pressed the money upon him none should be backward in giving in days like the present and no one ought to refuse to accept those gifts which in kindness are offered none can tell how long he may hold what in peace he possesses none how much longer yet he shall roam through the land of the stranger and of his farm be deprived and deprived of the garden that feeds him i to be sure in his bustling way interrupted the doctor if i had only some money about me you surely should have it little and big for certainly many among you must need it yet i'll not go without giving thee something to show what my will is even though sadly behind my good will must lag the performance thus as he spoke by its straps his embroidered pocket of leather where his tobacco was kept he drew forth enough was now in it several pipes to fill and daintily opened and portioned small is the gift he added the justice however made answer good tobacco can ne'er to the traveller fail to be welcome then did the village doctor begin to praise his canister but the clergyman drew him away and acquitted the justice let us make haste said the thoughtful man the youth's waiting in torture come i let him hear as soon as he may the jubilant tidings so they hastened their steps and came to where under the lindens herman against the carriage was leaning the horses were stamping wildly the turf he held them in check and buried in musing stood into vacancy gazing before him nor saw the two envoys till as they came they called out and made to him signals of triumph e'en as far off as they then were the doctor began to address him 
but they were presently nearer come and then the good pastor grasped his hand and exclaimed interrupting the word of his comrade hail to thee o young man thy true eye and heart have well chosen joy be to thee and the wife of thy youth for of thee she is worthy come then and turn us the wagon and drive straightway to the village there the good maid to woo and soon bring her home to thy dwelling still however the young man stood without sign of rejoicing hearing his messenger's word though heavenly they were and consoling deeply he sighed as he said with hurrying wheels we came hither and shall be forced perchance to go mortified homeward and slowly for disquiet has fallen upon me since here i've been waiting doubt and suspicion and all that can torture the heart of a lover think ye we have but to come and that then the maiden will follow merely because we are rich while she is poor and in exile poverty too makes proud when it comes unmerited active seems she to be and contented and so of the world is she mistress think ye a maiden like her with the manners and beauty that she has can into woman have grown and no worthy man's love have attracted think ye that love until now can have been shut out from her bosom drive not thither too rashly we might to our mortification have to turn softly homewards our horses heads for my fear is that to some youth already this heart has been given already this brave hand has been clasped has pledged faith to some fortunate lover then with my offer alas i should stand in confusion before her straightway the pastor had opened his lips to speak consolation when his companion broke in and said in his voluble fashion years ago forsooth unknown had been such a dilemma all such affairs were then conducted in regular fashion soon as a bride for their son had been by the parents selected first some family friend they into their councils would summon whom they afterwards send as a suitor to visit the parents of the elected bride arrayed in his finest apparel soon after dinner on sunday he sought the respectable burgher when some friendly words were exchanged upon general subjects he knowing how to direct the discourse as suited his purpose after much circumlocution he finally mentioned the daughter praising her highly and praising the man and the house that had sent him persons of tact perceived his intent and the politic envoy readily saw how their minds were disposed and explained himself further then where the offer declined e'en the no brought not mortification but did it meet with success the suitor was ever thereafter made the chief guest in the house on every festive occasion for through the rest of their lives the couple ne'er failed to remember that twas by his experienced hand the first knot had been gathered all that however is changed and with many another good custom quite fallen out of the fashion for every man woos for himself now therefore let every man here to his face pronounce the refusal if a refusal there be and stand shamed in the sight of the maiden let that be as it may made answer the youth who had scarcely unto the words paid heed but in silence had made his decision i will go thither myself will myself hear my destiny spoken out of the lips of a maiden in whom i a confidence cherish greater than heart of man has e'er before cherished in woman say what she will twill be good and wise of that i am certain should i behold her never again yet this once will i see her yet this once the clear gaze of those dark eyes will encounter if i must press her ne'er to my heart 
yet that neck and that bosom will i behold once more that my arm so longs to encircle once more that mouth will see whose kiss and whose yes would for ever render me happy from which a no will for ever destroy me but ye must leave me alone do not wait for me here but return ye back to my father and mother again and give them the knowledge that their son has not been deceived that the maiden is worthy so then leave me alone i shall follow the footpath that crosses over the hill by the pear tree and thence descend through our vineyard taking a shorter way home and oh may i bring to our dwelling joyful and quick my beloved but perhaps i alone may come creeping over that path to the house and ne'er again tread it with gladness thus he spoke and gave up the reins to the hand of the pastor who understandingly grasped them the foaming horses controlling speedily mounted the carriage and sat in the seat of the driver but thou didst hesitate provident neighbour and say in remonstrance heart and soul and spirit my friend i willingly trust thee but as for life and limb they are not in the safest of keeping when the temporal reins are usurped by the hands of the clergy but thou didst laugh at his words intelligent pastor and answer sit thee down and contentedly trust me both body and spirit for in holding the reins my hand grew long ago skilful long has my eye been trained in making the nicest of turnings for we were practised well in driving the carriage in strasbourg when i the youthful baron accompanied thither then daily rolled the carriage guided by me through the echoing gateway out over dusty roads till we reached the meadows and lindens staring through groups of the townfolks beguiling the day there with walking thereupon half reassured the neighbour ascended the wagon sat like one who for a prudent leap is holding him ready and the stallions sped rapidly homeward desiring their stable clouds of dust whirled up from under their powerful hoofbeats long the youth stood there yet and saw the dust in its rising saw the dust as it settled again he stood there unheeding End of chapter 6